Welcome to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast, where we look inside the mind of seven-figure entrepreneurs to see how they amplify their business and amplify their life. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest is an early employee at Amazon working directly under Jeff Bezos. He led the R&D arm of Amazon's data mining and personalization team and co-founded Redfin, a multi-billion dollar company, and also founded Rich Relevance, a company that offers personalized shopping experience for retail brands like Macy's and Office Depot. He is now inventing the next big thing in home security, and trust me, this is going to blow your mind. Please give a very warm welcome to today's guest, David Selinger. How are you doing, David? Oh, great to be here. I, I'm excited to to talk to your entrepreneurs. I'm super excited as I heard about your audience. Like, this is this is going to be fun. We're going to have a great time today. Yeah, you, you've already made me smile and laugh numerous times before we even started. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm excited for today. Now, what I have to say, researching you in the first place, just like looking through the kind of companies that you've built, it's just like. They they seem to be so innovative, if the, if that's the right word. So, how do you how do you go and spot an opportunity in a market and then capitalize on that? What what kind of and then what skill set do you need to be able to do that? Sure. So, I mean, in, in terms of finding opportunities, thank, thanks for doing some research. I mean, one one thing I highlight just just because I'm sensitive about it, my, the last name Selinger with a hard G, but uh, you know, th- there's a bunch of different processes I've used to start different companies. And so I think probably the most contrasted that I would take is if I were to compare the way that I found Redfin and the way the opportunity that Redfin presents, and I compare it with Deep Sentinel, which is my, my current company. Redfin, for those of you that don't know, is a it's an online real estate brokerage. And it, it was launched in 2004, um, long before Google Maps and, and Zillow. It was it was the innovator of this space. It was the first real estate tech startup um, of the internet age. And then Deep Sentinel is a security company. We are a physical security company that we are arguably the only actual security product and service that you can buy that will stop crimes before they happen, whether it's at your home or at your business. So two very, very different markets, right? The, the overlap from a business perspective is almost zero. And so let's, let's like just for two minutes about Redfin, how that, how that came about. So I was working at Amazon. I was running the, the consumer behavior research team there and I wanted to buy a home. And so I was looking all around Seattle and Capitol Hill and downtown and, and in some of the northern uh, suburbs and some of the eastern suburbs, uh, all of which are, are, are great. And as I went through this process, <clears throat> I had two wild realizations. The first one was that my real estate agent had access to data that was really hard for me to get a hold of. My real estate agent was showing me these, these comps, these prior purchases from the neighborhood. And I looked all over the internet and I couldn't find this information. And that, that was really telling because I'm a data person. I'm a stats geek. That's what I want. I want that data and I couldn't get it. I was like, ah, what's wrong? What, what's this friction? What, what's preventing me from getting it? The second observation I had was that my real estate agent, with, with all respect to him and, and, and his you know kind of focus on his career and his growth, 
was wrong. He was wrong about so much in terms of his understanding of the market, of the risk on one particular property, the upside of the property, the upside of the neighborhood, just just wrong, 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 wrong. He was uneducated about the answers that he was giving. And he didn't really care because, again, going back to that first point, I didn't have access to better information so that I could really kind of push it. It took so much effort for me to go and look at all the prior listings in the area and then come up with my own understanding and thesis that said, this this guy is just talking straight out of his bum, like not even trying hard to trick me, just taking advantage of the fact that he has access to this thing called the MLS, the multiple listing system that consumers are not allowed to have access to. And that pissed me off, right? Here I am about to spend $800,000 or $700,000 on a house on the basis of the recommendation of this person that is just ridiculous. So I got wildly passionate about this problem. I went and found two people who were equally passionate about it. They became my co-founders, David E. Rocker uh, and Michael Doherty, who were, who were the, they were already working on this problem. They were working on it in a different way. And then as the three of us came together, I initially was advising them on what they were doing. And then I became so passionate about it. I saw what they were doing. I said, you know, you guys don't have a technology arm. You're kind of trying to solve this as just a business. Let's really build some technology. I built a, a whole volunteer team out of Amazon and, and what was called Real Networks at the time and Microsoft. And we had like 12 engineers working from 5 p.m. till 2 a.m. And we built what has become Redfin. We built the very first interactive maps. We innovated there. No one had ever launched interactive maps on the webs. Everyone said that it was impossible when I showed them the idea. Um, and that became the hook. That became the thing that created Redfin was this incredible user experience, which also, I would argue, inspired the creation of Web 2.0, which was these interactive applications that did cool stuff. Uh, it also inspired Steve Jobs to build the iPhone and say, hey, interactive and, and moving maps are the future. Um, so it's, you know, really amazing experience. But my process to getting there, to summarize it, was pretty unidirectional, opportunistic and passion driven. Uh, I certainly was motivated by the size of the market. I was motivated by the size of the problem, but it wasn't a very thoughtful process. Mm. Contrast that with Deep Sentinel. So Deep Sentinel, I had just left my last company. I'd grown that to about 45, 50 million in revenue. And I left and I, I wanted to get back to my roots. I am a technologist at, at the core. I studied AI and robotics at, at, at uh, university. And I love that. I did that because I love it. I did that because I build. I did that. For, I don't know how many of your viewers actually watched the video or will see a picture, but I have stuff. I have trinkets and wires. I have soldering irons and cables over here to my left, like not super far from where I'm recording this. I am a builder. I love building stuff. And so I went back to my technical roots and I started learning about AI, again. just refreshing myself in the 15 years since I'd been at university. And oh my God, amazing timing. That was the advent of deep learning. And so the that began the process for Deep Sentinel, which I'm going to draw a line right here. That's where the similarity ended. Right. I got very passionate about deep, about deep learning. I learned everything about it. But then I actually went through a one and a half year, one and a half year, 18 months long process of looking at this technology and trying to find what are the business applications? What are the verticals? What are the problems that it can solve? Where I as an entrepreneur can change the world. I can leave my... Steve Jobs dent on the universe. And 
it took me like like i said that whole 18 months of searching and i made a list i had about 15 different business opportunities i partnered with um, some friends at lux capital which is a venture capital firm and at shasta venture capital and i just asked them hey would you guys mind if i come and i sit in your office once a week or twice a week and i bounce ideas off of you and they both said yes and so i just did that for for 18 months and this is back when you could you know sit in people's offices by the way right and uh <laughs> which was cool. I missed that. And, and we, we would just jib jab and security was actually the very bottom of my list. Interestingly enough, at the top of my list, the one that I wanted to do the most was cancer detection. Um, but I didn't find the right business model to make that happen. And then my neighbor had a home invasion and I live in a really safe area and I'll make that part of the story really short, but I realized that security not only could benefit from deep learning, but if we look at it, look at the problem differently, we look at the problem not as how do I record images and then label this one as somebody breaking into your house. And then when you wake up in the morning, you know, great, I woke up and somebody broke into my house. That's what, you know, Ring and, and Nest and Arlo do right now is you get these really cool notifications and these beautiful 4K recordings of people stealing your stuff. <laughs> and I realized that recordings of people stealing my stuff while potentially feeling like I could say I quote unquote caught them still don't prevent the invasion of privacy, the damage of property or that emotional crush of just like this sucked. And so I built deep Sentinel with the sole purpose of using AI, using deep learning to prevent crimes. Mm. And that's a completely different problem. No one else has ever tried to do it. And fast forward five years, you know, thank God we've done it. And we were, we're doing it. Um, so the process was, was very much more meticulous with Deep Sentinel. Um, I, you know, which one's better? I don't know. Redfin's a public multi-billion dollar company. So, uh, you know, but, but I definitely wanted to be very careful with this one. And uh, so far it looks like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if whether Deep Sentinel is going to be bigger than Redfin or, or a lot bigger than Redfin, but it, it looks like it, it's, found a humongous hole in the market, $20 billion hole in the market that nobody else is serving. And we're the only company that can actually do this. So I, I'm pretty optimistic that that process is worth it at the end of the day for, for Deep Sentinel. But, you know, the entrepreneurship is, is uh, 90% being really smart and 99% luck. So <laughs> what's, what's interesting, you said that cancer was at the top of the list in terms of cancer detection. Do you think maybe subconsciously there was a there was a trigger there that went, hey, I want to figure on preventing something rather than just solving something afterwards. So, so if you actually look at the cancer prevention, you were like, hey, I want to detect it before it happens, and then maybe that psychology actually went along with the the security as well. Um, a little bit. It, it uh, the the problem with cancer detection is that the medical industry, as we have all been exposed to this last two years is broken and there are certain things that can be done to fix that but inserting a single technology mm. into such a broken ecosystem was not something that i was super motivated to do where, where i'm competing against ge not because my product is any worse but because ge has these incredible sales uh, mechanisms and support mechanisms and that ultimately, in order to make that dent in the universe, I would probably have to sell the company very early to a 
large company that has you know large distribution and 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 that was really my demotivator now did the idea of prevention uh kind of inspire me maybe i would say the thing that really inspired me though was was watching my neighbor after the home invasion and realizing that all all of her alarms and all of her cameras and all of the every preparation that she had done to prevent this meant nothing and that was very eye-opening i've had two little girls they were obviously younger five years ago than they are today uh for those of you that aren't good at math right um but it it, it was very shocking for me to think about not being able to protect my family and that that was stark and and just black and white and and no one else was working on it no one else cared frankly none of the existing companies call adt and say hey can you prevent crimes? And they'll say, oh, yeah, we already do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they have no interest because they can lie to you to your face so incredibly well. They have no interest in actually solving the problem because we as a as a culture have been eating it up. Yeah. And so when there's no financial motivation to solve a problem and there's tons of financial motivation to keep selling you the same cruft that they're selling you, you know, they're going to they're going to keep doing it. And, that, right. and, and, and frankly, like that's what an entrepreneur kind of probably should probably want to do, right? Like I'm making billions of dollars selling this old crappy stuff. Like why change? Yeah, it's, like you say, there's some potentially some some broken systems throughout culture. I mean, just just going through going through uh, your site on there as well, like you created the desire in me to go and get that thing, and I never knew I even wanted it before. And I think it's it's an interesting thing from a from a marketing standpoint as well so like is 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 that something you have a, a big hand in or is that where you bring co-founders into focus on the marketing you go right here's the tech and then someone else is going to do the marketing part you know as ironic as it may seem um I, even with a background in technology i am wickedly hands-on with the marketing um to to the degree that uh, so I, I did bring in a marketing partner to to help me with that, um, but he just every day we would bang heads, and, and and not bang heads like in some not constructive way, but I was in the meat of that process from start to finish, right? Like uh, again, I don't know how many of your viewers are, are going to be able to see this, but like you know, this is our camera. I'll hold it up to to, to the to the um, webcam here. I spent six months designing every nook, every cranny, every shape of this camera because the number one thing that you see when you go to our website, when you go to our videos, when you go and you watch us stopping crimes is we've embodied this concept of a technological superhero in our design. Now, you know, does that come through and you're like, Oh my God, that's a superhero. You know, of course not. Right. But the design process was so hands-on and meticulous. We spent two months trying to find the exact right persona that we wanted our technology both the software and then and the ai and the physical hardware to embody and what we landed on was iron man iron man is the centerpiece it, we, we did this brain map we put iron man at the middle and we had five or six ten other things around it here's our customer here's their problems here's the way that they view the world here's their budget here's what they're trying to protect but at the very center of it was Iron Man because Iron Man is a human being in the center. He is protected. He protects you when you need him. And he's funny when you don't need him to protect you. He's, he, he's part of your life otherwise. 
And, and most importantly is that he's this wild combination of human flesh, artificial intelligence and technology. And that those three things are able to accomplish more than any one of them by themselves are able to accomplish. And that is the brand of Deep Sentinel. And so uh, that's just an example. Again, for those of you that are actually watching the video, you'll see behind me, I have 40 different designs of our camera that we meticulously went through. We spent 20 hours on each of those designs and end to end fully designed before we chose the camera design that we ended up with. And that's just the camera design. Then we have our, our brand message. We have a whole brand message. We have the, the key way that we market to our customer. How do we answer the phones? What's the first word that a customer experiences in the onboarding experience with Deep Sentinel? When you buy Deep Sentinel, I focused to, to the point where it annoyed the living hell out of everyone around me. You're welcome. I <laughs> uh, focused everything about the experience <clears throat> on the question, when is the first time after a customer gets their box of three Deep Sentinel cameras, they open it up, they do a little bit of setup. What's the first time they, they interact with a real human being over their cameras? And so we, we optimize that, optimize that, optimize that to the point where it's now about 15 to 20 minutes. You open your box, you set it up, you wave at your cameras and you hear over the cameras, hi, this is this is uh, Denise from Deep Sentinel Security. How are you doing? I just wanted to say thank you for trusting us, for protecting your business with us. I did look at your cameras. It looks like the one in the back door is tilted a little bit further up. Can you tilt it down for me? Otherwise, you've done a great job setting up your cameras. Thank you for trusting us. And that's the magic moment where you realize when you bought Deep Sentinel, when you became part of our family, it's a different ball game, right? It's, it's not, you, you look down at your phone and you get to see videos of yourself. <clears throat> there is an AI and a human being responsible for protecting you. And all of those things to me are part of the same marketing message. We are different. We solve a different problem. No one else is even thinking about this problem and you need it solved. Yeah. Yeah, you might not even realize you needed it solved until until you got that site. They go, okay, yeah, I I need this solved. And, and the I'm curious about that 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 crossover right between between human and AI. So in our business, we're all about conversational commerce, which is very much um, like having that start off with AI um mm. and like very simple ai right but then handing over to humans at the right point where it needs that natural empathy that ai sometimes lacks now do do you think well how how do you think over like the next 5 10 years those two are going to merge together even more between humans and ai so i mean i, I think ai is making progress towards it right if you if you kind of think about it as a as a spectrum between zero, which is mechanical and, and the word you use, which is empathy at 10, right? Like, you know, we're, we're making strides. Alexa's certainly way better than dragon naturally speaking, which was the, which is Alexa's kind of predecessor where dragon naturally speaking, you would say dragon, uh, open Microsoft word and Microsoft Excel would open up right? Like every freaking time. Right. It was just dumb. And, and that's a pretty important move towards empathy. Like you can't be empathetic with someone if every time you hear a word, you hear the wrong freaking thing, right? So, so there's a there's a pretty big leap there. And um, and in, and in AI and in neuroscience, they talk about these kind of different hurdles there. Um, and 
And we've crossed a lot of those. And, and there's the, the just the hurdle of distrust. And by being able to know that the AI conversational AI is at least understanding the basics of what you're saying, you're able to overcome the hurdle of trust, right? Um, when you and I were younger, I don't know how old most of your listeners are here, but um, when we were younger, right, you would pick up the phone and you would twist it to dial, right? <laughs> and then the magical next step was you could push the buttons. And as soon as you could push the buttons, businesses were like, oh, push one for this, push two for this. And then our lives became a disaster, right? Because <clears throat> we became lost in phone trees. Yeah. And we lost that hurdle of trust. And then now that we have conversational AIs where you call in and say, tell us what you want. Oh, hey, I'm just confirming that what you want is you want to talk about your savings account. Is that correct? Oh, that felt so much better, right? Mm. Sometimes it's wrong and, it, and, and, it, and it's a pain in the butt. But like in general, that's now at stage two. Empathy on a, on a scale there, if, we're, if we went from stage one to stage two, true empathy has got to be on the order of 100. So we're we're a long ways off, I think, from from true empathy. Um, you know, I, at my home, Alexa's been out for I think seven years now, six years, right? And and now I say to Alexa every night, Alexa, good night, and Alexa repeats back the exact same line to me and says, "Have a nice day." And it's you know sounds a little cuter than it did six years ago, but that's that's like the the zenith of Alexa's empathy right now. So again, using your terminology, I would say we still have a long ways to go. And in, and in Deep Sentinel's business, our business is predicated on that fact. Our business is predicated on the fact that <clears throat> AI has the ability to replace 90% of the activities of guards, most of which are, are wasteful, sitting there watching nothing happen, watching a car drive past a building, like just stuff that's not that interesting. But that last 10% humans are really important. So, so again, I'll, I'll use a deeper example. When you come on my property at my home, the AI starts watching you from the second you approach the property. <clears throat> if the AI detects, hey, this person's doing something a little more suspicious, it will then hand off to a guard. It may, it may before it hands off to a guard, utter a warning. Just so you know, this property is protected by live guards. If you're planning on doing something stupid, it's two in the morning, you should probably leave. And then the guard picks up, reviews the footage and then makes a decision. And, and some of the examples of what people do in that last mile interface where you're interacting with real human beings is insane, right? I mean, everything from kind of on one end of the spectrum, what homeowners themselves do, like you think, oh my God, somebody's vandalizing this house at two in the morning, peeing on it and spray painting their wall. And we intervene and it turns out it's, it's just Joseph and he woke up and wanted to do that and to his own home at two in the morning. Who knew? But, but it's your home. Like it's America. You're free to do that, dude. Like verify yourself, provide your special code word. We look at your face face. We recognize that against the faces that confirm you're Joseph. And sure enough, there you are, Joseph peeing on your house and spray painting it at two in the morning. And so in AI, an AI would have a really comp I mean, we have a hard time <laughs> with that, but an AI would have a really hard time with that. And then on, on the other end, we have criminals, right? Who will be like, hey, uh, this is Deep Sentinel Security. What are you doing then on the property? You're trespassing. Nope, I'm a banana. No, sir, you are not a banana. Uh, if you're a banana, I'm an orange, and I need you still to get off the property because you're still trespassing. And, and, and that happens. People just give the most ridiculous responses back to us. And again, 
it, uh, an AI. How does an AI respond to someone that says I'm a banana? I mean, that's not a that, that's not a predictable yeah, path exactly. uh, of what somebody's going to do. We have people that then immediately, as soon as we come over the cameras, this, this is Deep Sentinel Security. I need you to get off the property right now. And they go and they hide behind a trash can. They're still right within the field of view of the camera, and they're like, "All right, dude, I I asked you to leave, and then I saw you." walk behind the trash can you are wearing a white hoodie you're wearing jeans and black shoes i am still going to call the police i am still going to give them that description and they are still going to come and arrest you why don't you just leave and and again you use the word empathy and all of those different situations as weird as they may seem really rely on a much deeper sense of empathy to that individual to reach across and that's actually psychologically how deep sentinel works is that we we empathize with the, the criminal and we say we make sure that they feel uncomfortable they mm-hmm. feel that we are a real human being that is really going to take action and, and they're really going to get in trouble and and they are really but, but by the way good news for for all the customers listening out there good news because when we call the police and we say hey there's some guy who says he's a banana on this property he's trespassing and now vandalizing it sounds like he's got mental health issues the police know what to do with that, right? Yes. And they respond. And so it, it all kind of comes together in a way that that empathy ties our whole system together. So humans to us, they're not replaceable. I get asked that all the time by venture capitalists and investors. But to me, humans are the glue. AI is the efficiency maker, yes. the, the the watcher who watches the watchman. Um, but, the, but the people are so critically important. Uh, I I love that answer. It really aligns with with my thoughts and and how we how we run our business. Obviously, on a on a smaller scale than that, um, but um, yeah, f- phenomenal stuff. Now, what one of the things, David, that we ask everyone who comes on the show, and I'm fascinated, especially with the size size of the companies as well that you built, is what do you want to be remembered for when you die? Oh man, uh, <laughs> what a big question. Yeah, like little little tiny question. You know, I mean. There's the Keanu Reeves meme that makes its way around the internet all the time. And, and for those of you that haven't seen it, all three of you, right, in the world that haven't seen this, right, it's where, is it, um, it's, he's on a late night show, and the late night host asks him, maybe Jimmy Kimmel even, and says, you know, hey, hey, Keanu Reeves, what happens when you die? And Keanu puts on Keanu's face that looks way better than my face, no matter what he does, no matter what I do. Uh, and he says, I don't know what happens when you die, but I, I do know this, the people that love you miss you when you die. And it's just that as, as weird as it, as it may seem to quote Keanu Reeves, who also was well known for saying, Whoa, in uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I, man, I think about that statement all the time. I think the only thing that matters to me in terms of who remembers me when I die are my kids and um and hopefully my wife hopefully i die before my wife but um that's that's honestly all that i think about i mean i've got friends that i love and that i've had for a really really long time but that's that is the entirety of what i think about now in terms of what's important to them there are there are three big lessons that i'm trying to leave with my kids one is my kids are going to grow up in a pretty privileged uh, situation. And so I want to make sure that they grow up valuing work. 
I, when I was uh, first kind of getting going, I, I passed my first $10 million of revenue. And I realized my kids are going to grow up and maybe not flying private jets every week, but like certainly not relating to the experience that I had growing up. Mm. And so I interviewed a bunch of families and kids who were in their 20s. They had kids in their 20s and 30s to see, do they work hard? Do they value work? Do they understand how important that is? And, and I came to learn that most of them had kind of missed the boat. And I found three or four of them who their parents had figured out how to do this and did it really well. And what they had instilled very early on were modeling work, right? If you, if you model going to Hawaii and working on the beach, it turns out that's what your kids are going to do, right? Like wh whether you tell them and beat them and tell them they have to have summer internships or not, that's what they're going to do. <laughs> and, it, and, uh, and so modeling that going into this office every morning at 8.30 a.m. and working my ass off and them knowing that I am going to be in here till 6.30 at night, 8.30 at night, 10.30 at night on the phone with Taiwan at midnight is important. Hmm. To contrast that, I've also tried to teach them that it's really important that love is more important than that. So if ever my kids, like if my kids walked in right now, which they, they don't because they're at school, I would stop. And that's a lesson that was really hard for me. I'm, I'm, I'm on the autism spectrum. And so like hardcore rules, like I'm working, don't come in, make a lot of sense to me, but it turns out to the rest of the world, the rest of the world doesn't operate on those types of rules. And so when my kids were little, I would just get so upset when they would come in. And now I've come to realize if they're coming in, it's either for a great reason and I need to respect that. And I need to expect of them that it's a, for a good reason. And then if it's not, I'll talk about to them about it later. Like, Hey, if you come in my office, I'm always going to stop. If you call me, I'm always going to stop. I'm always going to stop for my wife and my kids, no matter what. And that that is something they can rely on, they can depend on. And, you know, Deep Sentinel is a company for safety. That's transferring safety to my kids, too. Because if I teach them work is so important that it's more important than safety, I think that creates a hole in their, in their future as well. And then the third thing I'm trying to pass on to them is I've used this term a couple of times. It's Steve Jobs term. It's not mine, but make a dent, make a dent in the universe. And, and if that dent is my, my older daughter wants to be an actress, be the absolute best actress you can be. Inspire people, live your life to the fullest, do what you are passionate about so incredibly well that you are proud of it. And, and it inspires the people around you. And and, and those are kind of the three things that, that I think about a lot in terms of the mark. I want to leave. And those are all very personal, um, I know, but I made and lost my first million dollars when I was very, very young. And it made me realize that it didn't change anything about me. It didn't change how I felt about myself. Maybe it changed the quality or the price of the things that I bought for a time, but it didn't change me. And it, it didn't make my relationships with the people around me better mm. right? because I had more time. It didn't make those better. Now, again, just to be, just to be fair, it doesn't mean money doesn't matter. Period. Full stop. Right. For people that are having trouble eating and, and providing shelter, like that freaking matters. We have two foster sons that we work with that, that, that we experience that side of the world very, you know, tangibly, but the difference between making a million dollars and $10 million and a hundred million dollars in terms of, what you leave behind, uh, I think is a, a not very meaningful to me.
Mm. Yeah, that that it's the love that you leave behind that is the thing that yeah. sticks, and you, you can you can grow that in a different way than you can grow your your net worth. Amen. Yeah, I I, I love that. Now, um, just just changing changing gears a little bit, David. Um, in the we've only got a few minutes left. So, what is one quick win that people could use to amplify their business today? Woo! What is one quick win that anybody could use to amplify their business? Yeah, might be mindset, okay. might be a tactic, <laughs> strategy. Okay, so I'll tell you one thing that I do, and I used to do. I, I used to do all the time and I do it less frequently now, but I love, um, and I'll cheat and I'll give you two. Um, cause they're, they're two, two sides of the same coin. One is meticulously track how you spend your time. You can earn more money. You can hire more employees. You can find more customers. You can never get your time back. And so I, at the end of every week, look at my calendar and I break down how I spent my time into the big categories this much time with my employees, this much time on this project, this much time on this project. And then I ask myself in six months or 18 months, whatever the right time horizon is, will I agree based on how valuable those things are that that was the right way for me to spend my time this week? And if it's not, then I'm going to change my time next week. Uh, and, and these are kind of broad swath time changes. It's not like 15 minutes here. I spent of my 70 hour week this week, I spent 20 hours on this project. And then I realized that project was taking my time because there's an annoying problem that I want to fix, but not because it's the most important thing. And so I'm going to delegate that problem. I'm going to change the way that this works. I'm going to delegate that to a lower level employee. I'm going to spend my time where I can move the needle the most over the next six months. The, the, the second side of that coin, same piece of advice was I found different ways to ask myself that question. For me, the way I ask that question the most effectively is I look at my calendar and I assess the time. I spend 30 seconds on that. And then I go and I take a 20 minute shower. And in the 20 minute shower, my brain, for whatever reason, is able to relax and get out of today's problems and then really engross itself into that six months in the future, 18 months in the future, and so I'm able to come up with much better answers to that question in that environment. So if that for you is running or it's sitting on a, um, a rower machine or your Peloton or whatever it is, finding the right way to ask that question. I, I, I've learned many times that I ask that question incorrectly because I'm so deep in today's problems. I tend to trick myself into the wrong answer and I, and I had to find my way to not do that. I, I I love both of those, and I've done some time studies and stuff in the past, but I don't think we do nowhere near regularly enough. What one thing that we've just implemented our team is is called rescue time. Was using that soon, so tracks every site that you're on and then categorizes it all for you as well. So that that it's uh, I'm wow. very much in a lot. I'll drop you a link to that if it's <laughs> interesting for you as well. Um, so fi- finally, David. Um, well, a couple a couple of questions. Firstly, is what seven-figure-plus entrepreneur would you nominate to be on the show next? I don't know if he'll do it. Um, One of my favorite people um, who has a a 360-degree view of the world uh, is a guy named Eric Chang. He's at Mm -hmm. Facebook. And... I don't even know if he wants me to say his name publicly. He's a pretty private dude in some ways, but 
he has this really amazing combination of being a world-class musician, mm. a world-class diver, a world-class photographer, and was at the forefront of the invention of drones and now a, a VR. And so just a, a 360 degree, amazing, amazing individual. So. Uh, well, I, I love that. I appreciate you sharing his name um, and hopefully he appreciates the same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. He may eat me tomorrow. <laughs> and then, David, finally, uh, where can people find find out more about you and uh, Deep Centennial? Yeah, so, so more about Deep Sentinel first would be, that's an easy one. We stop crimes. Like what we do is stop crimes. And so the cool thing about stopping crimes is they make really awesome videos. And so... You can go to our YouTube station, uh, just search for Deep Sentinel, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L on YouTube. And we produce a video every single week of the best crime stops. Every single week. It's just like a, a, a drum beat. Bam, 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 bam. Get off the property. Stop. Go. Leave. 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 And uh, and it's, it's, you know, for those of you that don't like being the victims of crime, it's uh, it's kind of rewarding to see. It's like watching this old, the old TV show Cops where... You're just watching the bad guys get pummeled and stopped in their in their tracks, getting arrested. Uh, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, then, if you want to know more about me, my most active <clears throat> social network uh, where you can follow me is LinkedIn, uh, and I, I post business tips there. Um, I do post quasi political, sorry, intentionally apolitical, right? Like I'm not aligned with the right or the left. Data driven analysis of things like COVID. And, um, and I get really pissed off at the left and I get really pissed off at the right at times. So if you're interested in, in a data-driven approach to those things um, or just you know, following my entrepreneurial uh, stuff, I, I do post to LinkedIn pretty regularly. Fantastic. David, appreciate your time so much today. I know it's, it's certainly valuable. So thank you so much for sharing with our listeners today. Paul, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I've, I've loved your questions. They're you know bordering on the personal, so I hope I didn't... Uh, didn't take anybody off but it's it's really been a pleasure uh, talking to you about those things F- fantastic you have been listening to the amplify to seven figures podcast with me paul ace and my amazing guest david salinger remember amplify your business and amplify your life bye for now thanks for listening to the amplify to seven figures podcast to access the show notes episodes and this month's giveaway head over to www.amplifytosevenfigures.com. Remember, amplify your business, amplify Amplify your your life.